Well, good morning, Mercy Road Church. Welcome this Sunday. It's good to be here, right? So good to be with you here in the building and joining us online. We're glad you guys are here. If I haven't met you, my name is Pastor Trevor, and I am here with middle school and high school students, our next gen. Alongside me joined, we have Pastor Ben Glenn with high school. Amazing. Great to be with him. And this is Pastor Shalanda with our kids' ministries. An amazing team. And I'm going to need your guys' help this morning. I'm going to need your guys' help. On the count of three, I need you to shout what today is. All right? On the count of three, shout what today is. Even online, join us shouting. On the count of three, one, two, three. I knew it. I knew y'all were going to say that. Man, it's actually my one-year anniversary here at Mercy Road. Thank you very much for throwing this big party for me. I so appreciate it. But no, I am so glad to be here with you guys on this team. It's been an amazing, amazing first year in ministry. We've seen some amazing things and some crazy things. But it's, it's awesome to be joined here with this staff and amazing people and just love and serving alongside you guys and your family. And today we are talking, today we're talking about next gen. And immediately you're probably thinking, all right, great. They're going to talk to the students or they're going to talk to the parents, but they might not be talking to me. But I'm going to tell you today, we are talking to the church, everybody. This isn't a message for the students. This isn't specifically for parents. This is for everybody. How can we all, as one church, rally together, come together, and empower our next generation? How can we come alongside them and say, I believe in you, I see in you, Let's gather around our next gen. So we're going to be looking in scripture, but before we do that, I want to let us know a little bit about next gen, who they are, what they do, stuff like that. So next gen, it's, it's simple to say why I'm up here talking going first, because I am part of next gen or, ne- or gen Z as well. I am, I fall in the category of gen Z. Gen Z is typically about 10 years old to about 25-ish. And I am 24, so I fall right in the category of gen Z and millennial. So it's cool. I get to kind of play in both worlds, it's, it's a cool time. And there's three things I want to tell you that's always existed while Gen Z, most of Gen Z has been on the earth. Number one is the mass production of electric cars. have always been a thing for most Gen Z students, most Gen Z people. Electric cars have always been a thing. And I'm like, I don't want, I don't want no electric cars. They're getting more and more popular. It's like, no, give me, give me that V8, man. I need some of that in my life. I need a V8. Electric cars. Another one is Wi-Fi. Maybe similar, but Wi-Fi has always been a thing for Gen Z students. And I'm a less rest, rest of us in this room might understand this sound that I'm going to say, when I was going to get on the computer, we heard this sound as well. Right? A little dial-up sound. I remember hearing that because I kind of get to play in both, in both worlds. But Wi-Fi has always been a thing. And it's almost like a right for Gen Z. Like, okay, coming over, Give me that Wi-Fi password. What's your Wi-Fi? You're not giving me the Wi-Fi pa- Come on. It's like a thing with them. It's awesome. The last thing is Google. Google has always been a verb with Gen Z. It's always been a verb. Hey, what are you doing? What are you doing tomorrow? Oh, I don't know. Google it. What's the weather going to be like? I don't know. Google it. What, what, how, much, how many miles a gallon does this car get? I don't know. Let's just Google it. Why not? Google's always been a verb. And all these things about Gen Z, we might think of as some craziness, right? Maybe a little bit of laziness with Gen Z. Maybe a little bit of, of haziness or daisiness or anything else that rhymes with A-Z-Y. I'm a pastor, so I do my best up here as, as much as I can. 
But we think of Gen Z as so far opposite of the rest, millennials, Gen X, baby boomers, whoever. We think Gen Z is so far outside of this, but really, there is some innate desires, wants, and needs that unite us all that we're going to dive into. And if I were to tell you that there are some very key things that we all in this room, online, gathered together, can relate to Gen Z, there's one or two things we're going to talk about. You probably wouldn't believe me. But since I'm up here on the stage at the platform of the mic, you believe me, you're going to listen to me, so it's okay. We're going to be in Psalms chapter 127 this morning, and we're going to be looking at how we as a church, how we as a church can rally together, come together and say, I believe in our next generation. I believe in our students. We're going to look at this, Psalm 127, and see how we can break this down and understand how we as a church, everybody, parents, aunts, uncles, friends alike, can come together and rally behind Gen Z. So if you would turn with me to Psalm 127, if you don't have your Bibles, there might be a Bible in the back of the seat. If there's not one there, we're going to have it on the screen. I'm also going to read it here for you as well. We're going to be in Psalm 127, and we're going to be reading verses 1 through 5. This is the word of the Lord. It says this, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. Verse 3, children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. Father, we give this to you today. Let these be your words and not ours. Father, we give this day to you. We understand the importance of it. We ask that your presence would be here with us here today. Help us to be open-minded to the things you have for us this morning, Lord. It's your name and all your children said, amen. Amen. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Very kind of clear-cut, cookie-cutter, like unless you build this in the Lord's name, it's in vain, and Jesus calls us to do, as a church, some very important things. A couple of those is to go and make disciples, to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and also to empower the church. Jesus says, on this rock, I will build my church. On this rock, I will build my legacy, and we are called to come alongside that and say, I believe in the church, and we know that we're not going to be there for the whole time. Church is going to keep going long after we're here, so it's our job to empower the church to keep going. And when we're looking at Next Gen, Next Gen has been in some crazy situations already in 2020, but I believe that Gen Z, and working with them for a year now, I'm, I'm, I'm a valedictorian in, in Gen Z now, I have a year under my belt, so it's good, but work with them, we see that they have a desire an innate desire to be world changers. And we hear that word a lot as, I want to go and change the world. I want to do all these things, right? But Gen Z has seen some major hurt, some major trauma, some major injustices. And Gen Z is being rewritten, rewired to say, I want to change the world. And saying, somebody empower me to go and do this. Somebody show me how I can go forward and make a change in this world. I want to have a purpose. I want to have a goal. I want to make an impact in my community, in my world. Gen Z is driven with this, and this all they want is their core desires. And then I said there's a few things that link us together. That's one of the things. All of us in this room, all of us online, we can hear that, and we feel that when we say, my core desire is to have a purpose, to have some place that I'm going 
to have someone alongside me saying, I believe in you. I see what you're doing. You are making a difference. We all feel that. We all want that. That's the one thing here in Scripture even that Jesus unites us under is our direction and our purpose for our lives. It's to go and make disciples, to baptize them. Jesus says, this is the rock that I will build. And we as a church get to rally around that and say, I believe in this. I went on this mission trip uh, to Guatemala simply by the grace of the Lord when I was 18, so two years ago. I'm kidding, 24. Um, but I had heard this desire to go on this mission trip, and my pastor said, hey, do you want to go? And I was like, you know what, I would love to go. But he said, this is going to cost us $1,500 to go. And I was like, can't go on this mission trip. I don't have $1,500. And I was like, I can't go, but I kept feeling the Lord calling me to go on this trip. And my pastor came to me a couple weeks before we were leaving, and he said, Trevor, I see something in you that you don't understand yet. I see something in you that God has given you and he is working in you to go and make a difference in this. I believe this is a time for you to go on this mission trip. I think this is a time for you to step into your identity in Jesus Christ. I was like, I believe that. So I sat another couple weeks in prayer saying, I don't know how I'm going to get the funds for this. I don't know how I'm going to get the money for this, but I feel God calling me to go. My pastor was pouring into me saying, I think you need to do this. And it came to the day before we were getting ready to leave. And my pastor said, hey, are you going on this trip? And I was like, I got $100. That's about it. That's all I could raise. And I was trying. I wasn't like, ah, oh, I can't remember. I was trying. I really was because I wanted to go. I felt God calling me. I felt him saying, you need to do this. And so I was trying. And I was like, pastor, I don't think I can go. I think I can do it. I haven't made the funds. It's just not going to happen. And he's like, do you? He asked me the same question. Do you feel God calling you to do this? And I said, yes. God is calling me to go and to make a difference, to make a change wherever it is I can. And he said, good, that's all you need to say. Stop right there. He said, good, because somebody has paid for your way to go. Somebody sees the, the passion in you. Somebody sees the value in you that Jesus puts in us as children of God. He sees the value in you. They paid for your way to go. And I was overwhelmed. That trip changed my life. That pastor saw something that changed my whole life. He said, God has a plan for you. God has a purpose for you. And he came alongside of me. He came alongside of so many other students in our ministry that are going out and changing the world. I'm not saying I'm changing the world, but I'm saying God gives our next gen the power, seeing the trauma, the hurt that they go through to go and change this world. And all of it takes is this one thing, is your direction. Gen Z needs your direction in order to go out and make a change. They need your wisdom. They need your understanding. They need your passion for the Lord to go and make a difference in this world. This is a whole church thing. It's not just parents. It's not just aunts and uncles. This is a whole church thing, a whole church movement to say, I believe in our next generation what God has given them. So we're going to dive into Psalms a little bit more, and we're going to understand more deeply how we can come together as a church and empower our next generation. Like arrows... In the hands of warriors, our children born in our youth. And I love how the next verse reads out. Blessed is he whose quiver is full of them. Isn't that beautiful? The word of God is so sweet and it's so pleasant. And I, every time I read that out, that sounds so amazing to me. Because, you know, truthfully, it would be really nice if someone else could actually say that to you when you're walking through the grocery store with a cart full of kids. <laughs> Anybody in here have more than two kids and you're shopping? Yeah, we don't get that type of feedback, do we? You, know, like, you look like your hands are 
yes, look like your hands are full. And you know what? So we have to be careful as parents that we're getting our advice and all that great stuff from like the word of God because it's encouraging because other stuff could be so discouraging and misleading. You know, I came across a shirt the other day um, and I wish I had it when my kids were younger because I would have wore the words off of it. It was amazing and it was beautiful. And what it read was, if you think my hands are full, you should see my heart. And I was like, yes, that's so much more biblically sound than all the other rumble that we hear out there. And I just love that. Guys, you know what? Our, our, when you think about the, the cart, it's kind of like a quiver. And we filled it with our arrows, which are our children. And it's a blessing. And I love to see the faces of those people when they find out that we're planning on adopting two more children. <laughs> Can you imagine? Oh my gosh. Cheatham family, family of eight. That sounds amazing. <laughs> so guys, you know what? But why shouldn't we? Why shouldn't we? Didn't Jesus adopt us and bring us in and give us a good heritage? I love that. Jesus accepted and adopted us into his family and now we are heirs of the kingdom. In Ephesians 1.5, it reads out, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. It brings him joy to see us accept him. And it's free. He paid it all. Anybody like free stuff? I know I do. Salvation is free and I love it. It's amazing. Our children are our blessings, and they are worth our time and our energy. So the time that we devote to them, you don't have to be a biological parent in order to make a difference. You know that? You can pour into your neighbors. It's amazing. We have people serving every single week that are pouring into our children, that are blessing us, teaching them about the ways of God. It's amazing. And you know what? We actually do come with a manual right here. And I love it. If you read it, Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 6 through 9, it's so good. It's so good. And it teaches us, God said, I want you to live life with your children. And I want you to teach them about me. I want you to do it when you're sitting down in your house, when you're walking about the way, before you go to bed at night, and when you wake up early in the morning, Tell them about me so they don't forget me. Write these upon their hearts so that they learn to love God and love others. It's beautiful. I just love it. It's, so it teaches us to be diligent. And then we go back to Psalms 127.4 because that's where our passage is where we're um, teaching out of that today. I want to go back to that. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. When you, begin to, when you begin to study the Word of God, you can really go as deep as you want to go. And I love how with wisdom and with warrior, when I looked it up in the Hebrew context, it meant gibor, G-I-B-B-O-R. You know what that is? Valiant, champion, powerful. And I'm like, whoa, I don't feel like a champion of a parent sometimes. And you know what that meant? It means that I need help. I need his Holy Spirit 
to empower me, to help me. I need my, my community of believers. I need Ben, the high school pastor, to help me with my high schoolers. I have a middle schooler. I need Trevor. I need Pastor Josh. Help me out. You know, and together, me and my husband, we love, we love it. And we have that. We have those groups here called Huddle and Outposts where we can learn to gather together, where people can speak into your lives to help bring direction and strength fortifies you. Iron strengthens iron. It's amazing. Just love it. My children bring me joy. And I'm telling you that we need to be intentional. We need to be intentional. We need the word of God because when we study and apply it, it brings life and it provides guidance. It is proven. It is tried and it is truth. And when we think about champion, we can think about the fact that they didn't do it alone. You ever see winners? Out there winning things, the champions, they did not do it by themselves, but somebody poured into them. Somebody helped to shape them. They told them their successes. They told them their failures so that they can do better. You got it in you. You can do it. You've got more. And then you begin to believe that and you live that out. And you win. And whatever you aim to do, you take that arrow. And when you aim it, it's going to go where you tell it to go because you practice it, you put it into practice. I love that. I thought about my own family line while I was preparing this, and I was beginning to think about my um, maternal great-grandmother, who I did not know because she passed away before I was born. So I have to ask, I have to ask my family, can you tell me about your grandmother? What was she like? You know how to respond? Tell me about her hair. Tell me how beautiful it was, how she would brush it, and she sat on it. It was so long. And in my mind, you know, I'm trying to be respectful, but I'm thinking, who cares? Tell me about her. But you know, my grandmother, I never had to ask about my grandma because people would just tell me about her. They told me how she served in the church, how she liked to help out the senior citizens, and she took care of them. She volunteered her time in the kitchen. She was rock solid, a pillar. Where did she get that from? Because they were pioneers. They had just given their lives to Christ. Where did they get that from? Somebody poured into them. Somebody took the time to share the word of God with them. And it blessed generation after generation after generation. Praise God. Yes, I was like, praise the Lord. That's right. God is good and he's worthy to be praised. And we're grateful for that. We're so grateful for that. I love how she was able to pass that on. Because even my mom, she was a non-negotiable woman. We'd have family coming in from out of state, they would come from Michigan, they would come from Mississippi, driving, by, by the way, driving. And we'd spend time and have so much fun playing games together in the family room. But you know what? She said, you know what? It's Saturday night and tomorrow's Sunday, and we go to church. So you can either go with us or we'll see you when we get back. And she meant it. She meant it. It was non-negotiable. She said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And we loved, I love, actually, I love going to church. So it was amazing to me. But you know, my mom taught me how to pray and she taught me how to be faithful. And she taught me how to honor our commitments. 
is so important to honor your commitments. And Mercy wrote, this is a hospital for sinners, not a museum for saints. I share that with you to let you know that we all have an opportunity to make an impact on our children. We have Reggie um, Joyner who writes Parent Q and all of that. And he said, you have 936 weeks from the time a child is born all the way until they get ready to do something special, amazing with their life. 936 weeks to make an impact. And if you're late in the game, that's all right. Guess what? God can redeem that time. He can. And I just love that. We have amazing children. Children are a blessing. And we'll pass down blessings and favor for their children and their children's children. But it's up to us to take the challenge to walk alongside of them, get involved, and speak into their lives while you allow someone else to walk alongside you, to speak into your life, to help us, because it's a great, big, amazing community. And we only have a short time, but together, we can make it work and make a difference. Verse four, like arrows in the hands of a warrior, Looking back upon my childhood, I think it'd be safe to say that I was a broken arrow. <laughs> Didn't have any direction. Some of you guys know my story, but for those of you that don't, I'll give you like the abridged version. When I was in the third grade, I had to take a bunch of tests. When I got done, a teacher said, Ben, you are what we would call special. Thought I was going to Disney World. I still am yet to go. Instead, they labeled me with all kinds of stuff. Uh, first label was special, then they kept on going. They labeled me LD, learning disabled, dyslexic, ADHD, LMNOP, HDTV. I got all the letters. And what, what happened, which made it really difficult, is they took me out of what they called a mainstream level classroom, uprooted me, and they put me into a special education classroom. And this, this transition rocked my world. And with that transition, my brain health went to an incredible low. So much so that I became an expert in the art of what I like to call stinking thinking. Guys, I thought I was a mistake. I thought I was broken. That I had no purpose, that I did not belong. And my mom loved me so much, she did her darndest to, to convince me otherwise. She tried to, to, to just come into my life and say, Ben, what you are seeing in yourself is not true. But you see, here's the thing. I didn't hear a word. I wouldn't listen. I don't know what, what point this happens with parents and their kids, but there is a point where a kid starts to look at their parents and says, mm, I don't think they know everything. And they start questioning everything. I remember when it happened to me, my, my daughter was four years old. I'm taking her to daycare and we're driving along and she sees this white streak through the sky. She's like, dad, what is that white streak right there? And so I Explained to her, that's, that's the exhaust from a jet. You see, moments ago, a jet flew over. That's the exhaust from the jet airplane right up there. And I see her processing my answer. And then she looks at me and she says, no, that's not what it is. It's a zipper. <laughs> that's how they open up the sky so you can get up to space. It's either that or a chemtrail or something. But it's not what you said, Dad. And it wasn't until somebody other than me told her, no, that's the exhaust, that she's like, oh, okay. And you begin to realize as a parent, I need outside influence. I need outside positive influence to be the difference because my kids aren't going to respond to me the same way they will somebody like Trev 
There's somebody like Shalanda. I was in the ninth grade. I had three really horrible years in middle school. And so much so that I, I developed this loner mentality. And it was my comfort place. I was good with it. I liked being alone, as unhealthy as that was. And so right towards the end of my, my, my freshman year, it was right around, I don't know, March, this teacher comes over to me. Her name is Mrs. K. And she comes over, she says, man, God has laid it upon my heart to be praying for you. I know God has a plan for your life. And then she starts telling me a bunch of stuff that I'd never heard before. But then when she wrapped it all up, she got my attention. She said, Ben, you ever been to a summer camp? Would you like to go to summer camp? Ben, I'd like to send you a summer camp. And I said, well, before I accept, I've got one question. Are there going to be any girls there? She said, yes. I said, yeah, I'll go. <laughs> hey, I may be special, but I ain't stupid. <laughs> she pulls out a check, and she writes the check for $285 to send me to a Fellowship of Christian Athletes leadership camp. It's, it was out in Marshall, Indiana, in the middle of a cornfield. Now, I go there with the idea they're going to be girls and some sports and stuff. But when I arrive, it really was um, overwhelming. I never went to church. Maybe Christmas and Easter was it. So I wasn't used to the singing and people talking about Bible and Jesus. I mean, everybody was accepting. This culture was just so uncomfortable. And they all wanted me to get involved, which means I had to get out of my comfort zone. Because what was comfortable? Being alone. They all kept inviting me to do things and to eat with them. And it's like really weird. I was so freaked out the first day. I, I, I went to a pay phone. That's a phone that's attached to a wall and you, you put coins in it. They don't have them anymore. But back then you could use coins or you could use 1-800-COLLECT. And so I called my mom and I saved her a buck or two. Call and, <laughs> and I said, mom, it's really weird here. If you love me, you'll come and get me. And my mom loved me. She really did. And so she hung up on me <laughs> because she knew I needed it. And you know what, parents, let me just talk to you briefly for a moment. Sometimes you got to show the tough love. You heard Shalanda use the word non-negotiable twice. I want that word to sink into your minds and into your hearts because we have mercy students every Sunday. Our fall schedule started. So that means every Sunday night, 630 to 8, we're outside, we're inside. I want you to make it a non-negotiable to bring your kids. The reason why I say make it a non-negotiable because it's uncomfortable. Our kids have gotten comfortable with communicating through a device. It's comfortable to put on some headphones and talk to somebody, you know, while we're playing Fortnite. But boy, if I have to look at them in the eyes, that's just awkward. I remember when I took this position, I told my daughters, I said, hey, I'm going to take this job, but you guys got to know something. It's your job too. And then, of course, my youngest daughter, she's like, do I get paid? <laughs> because I, I, I made it a non-negotiable. You guys are coming. Anytime we have some kind of an activity, anytime we do something, you guys are coming. And I remember one, one of our first activities, my oldest daughter said to me, Dad, I don't know what to say to people that I don't know. I said, I know you're uncomfortable with, but after you go four or five times, you're going to get to know people. And now she loves to come. It's got to be non-negotiable. So my mom made me stay there for a week. And I had what I like to call a God moment. Man, God did amazing things. And it's really true what they say, that what you pour into a person really does impact what comes out. If you're pouring in good things, get ready. Good things are going to come out. 
I was only there for a week and I came home and I was saying things that I never said before. I was quoting scripture and stuff. I was singing songs. My brother, Sam, comes over to me. He's like, dude, why do you keep singing that song? I'm like, because it's in my head and it just wants to come out. It's pretty catchy, isn't it? You should let your little light shine too. <laughs> it never would have got there unless there was an opportunity for that to be poured into me. The thing about that, that teacher, Mrs. K., you know, she could have been okay with, hey, I'm going to raise the money. I'm going to send this kid to camp and be, be done with it. But that wasn't it. As soon as I got home, she followed up. And then she said, hey, we've got huddles. I'd like to get you into a church. They got youth groups. Ben, you need to grow. And, and she mentored me. And I thought to myself, with as much that she invested in my life, originally I was thinking, man, is this her job? Did she get paid to do this? And when I found out that it was all volunteer-based... And then on top of that, that she didn't even have any kids of her own? Because I'm thinking, well, maybe she's just doing this because, you know, she's got kids and she's there anyways. But no, she did it because God placed this conviction upon her heart to be the difference. And when I think about Coach K, Mrs. K, she was a coach as well. I think about that quiver. And I won't lie to you, when I first read that, I'm thinking to myself, what in the world is a quiver? Uh, it's basically the sack where all the arrows go and they sling it over their shoulder. Think Robin Hood. I guarantee you, Mrs. K, she's got about four or five of those quivers full of broken arrows that she picked up along the way because God said, hey, be the difference. I'm one of those arrows. Let me talk to you parents for a minute. You see, I did take this job now, my wife jokes, and she says, well, it's because you're finally mature enough to be the youth pastor. <laughs> I'm 47 years old. It's a little awkward, okay? There's some truth behind it. But I'm going to be honest with you. It's for selfish reasons. I already told you, I, I got two kids. They're both teenagers, and I, I took this job because I know that Trevor and Shalana can have an impact on my kids in a way that I cannot. And I need them and I trust in them that they are going to pour things into my kids that are going to be the difference. I'm excited about you future volunteers. You're the ones that have that little feeling in your heart right now, that little pitter-patter. Um, that's basically God saying, hey, I want you to volunteer. I want you to get involved. And it doesn't matter how young you are or how old you are, we want you. I remember being a part of this youth group back in Chicago. You know what? One of our best volunteers, he was 65 years old. That guy was awesome. Got me into oldies music. Showed me who the Beatles were. It was great. You're never too old to make a difference. And right now, maybe some of you volunteers, future volunteers are thinking, well, Ben, I don't know what to do. I've never been a leader. That's okay. That's okay. Just pray this scary, scary prayer. God use me and he'll teach you. You know, that is one of the quickest prayers that I believe God will answer. There's two out there. If you pray these two prayers, get ready. God's going to answer them quick. The first one is, God, teach me patience. Next thing you know, you're flying Delta. <laughs> Second one, God, use me. And he's going to open some incredible doors. But when those doors open, you got to ask yourself this question. Are you going to take that step? Are you going to remember what Jesus called for all of us to, to, to be? And that is to be a servant. That's why he came, to be a servant and to sacrifice. And so parents, real quick, I want you guys to text this number right here. I want you to text, text this word to this number. I'm all excited now. Text the word students to 317-315-5061. This will give you updates and let you know when and where Mercy Students is going to be held. And so do that right now. 
When you get these updates, I want you to remember the word non-negotiable because on Sunday nights, your kids might be throwing you the excuses. It's uncomfortable. But guys, this is where you need to bring them. You need to pour into them. Students, hey, we have a lot of fun, so I want you guys to come. I know I was talking to the parents a minute ago, but we really do have a good time. And you guys, you should see what happens when we give Trev a little too much sugar. Come find out. I want students, text this word, Benny. I tried to do Benny and Trevi, but it wouldn't fit. So text Benny to the same number, and that will help us keep you updated. Let me close with this. Philippians 4, 6 says this. Do not be anxious. I'm going to stop just for a moment and just help you guys just recognize something. Our kids today suffer with so much anxiety. I was speaking at a school a couple years back, and I asked the superintendent, hey, what can I focus in on with your students today as I share my message? And I thought he would talk about maybe peer pressure or bullying or one of the hot topics. And he said, can you please talk to my kids about anxiety? I've never been around a group of young people so anxious and so fearful. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. Verse 8, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. How can our kids think about these things if they are not taught these things? This is what we're teaching at Mercy Students. I'm going to invite the band back up, and I just want to close our time in prayer. God, I thank you for the parents, for the students, for the volunteers, for the church. I thank you right now for the conviction that you've laid upon the hearts of those in this room right now that will be future volunteers as they pray that scary prayer to be used by you. Because, Lord, we take it serious when we look at how to invest in our young people. As a parent, my kids are my greatest investment and I know full well that the only way they're going to know these things is, is if we pour into them. And sometimes that can't come from me as dad. Sometimes that needs to come from an outside person. And so God, I just pray right now that that conviction that you've laid upon the hearts of many, that they would act upon that, that they would not leave this place until they find Trevor, until they find Shalanda or myself and introduce themselves so that we can follow up and give them that opportunity. And Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to be used by you. What an awesome blessing. And I remember Coach K, Mrs. K saying this, there's nothing better than being blessed when God uses me to bless others. Thank you, Jesus, for today. And may you receive all the glory. Amen.